Well, it was early Sunday morning and a husband was sitting at the kitchen table in his pajamas, reading the newspaper and drinking his cup of coffee when his wife came out of the bedroom and said, you better get dressed and ready for church. And the husband responded, he said, I'm not going to church today. You know, those people there, I, I don't know that, that they like me, and, and I don't know that I like them a whole lot. I just don't seem to get along well with those people at that church. And, and his wife looked at him and said, you know, hon, I'll give you two reasons why you need to get dressed and come to church. First, you're acting like a child. Come on, you're 40 years old. And secondly, you're the pastor. <laughs> no, I can say that Tim and, or I have never said that. But, but you know, the truth is, the truth is we all struggle at times relationally with others. As they do with us. Even in the church. But we can't let the struggles and challenges that we've had relationally with others keep us from doing what is necessary for us to grow spiritually. And that can only happen in relationships with other people. Relational connection is a very high value in this church. Relationships, community. Our desire is that every person in this church experiences genuine community with others in this church family. That we experience significant spiritual connectedness with other believers. Relationships where we can be real and be known. Where we can love and we can be loved. Where we can journey together in our spiritual life, which sounds awesome, but the truth is we struggle with this idea of community. While there's a part of us that longs for this sense of community and connectedness with other people, there's another part of us that resists it, that just sort of wants to keep it at arm's length. And why is that? Well, this resistance towards community, I believe, is rooted in a a commonly held myth about community that continues to cause great spiritual harm to many. The commonly held idea is that being a part of a biblical community is optional for your spiritual health. That it's optional. It's it's not necessary. It's good, but, but it's optional. That being a part of a spiritual community is great for some people. But you can be a healthy Christian with or without it. A recent survey revealed that 81% of Americans say that you can have a thriving, healthy relationship with God without being involved in a church. Absurd. 81% believe that you can have a thriving relationship with God and not be a part of a local body of believers. That's the myth. That's the myth. Well, that's the question, and it is a question that I want to address. Can a person, can you have a healthy, thriving Christian life without experiencing life in a biblical, spiritual community? And that's the question that I want us to look at today as we consider the necessity of being a part of a spiritual community. And so if you'll turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, we're going to consider this morning Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. As we look at how the early church experienced together life in this community. 
Now, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hands and one of our ushers will loan you one. But Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 41, an incredible passage of Scripture for us to look at this morning as we talk about why you need to be a part of a spiritual community. Luke, who's the author of the book of Acts, begins at verse 41, and he says there, as he's recording what took place on this very incredible day, he says, So those who received his word, that is, the word of the apostle Peter, were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now this is truly, truly an amazing passage of Scripture about the early church and about biblical community. And we'll see four reasons why biblical community is not optional and why everyone who calls themselves a Christ follower needs to be a part of a spiritual, biblical community. And the first reason is because every Christian is born into a spiritual community. Look at verse 41. Luke writes and he says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. By the time we get to Acts chapter 2 and this incredible event of 3,000 spiritual births taking place into God's new family in one single day, Jesus had been crucified and resurrected. He's appeared to the disciples and many other people. He instructed his disciples to not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit and telling them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And shortly thereafter, Peter, the apostle Peter preaches this powerful sermon and thousands of people on that day are birthed for the very first time, into the family of God. People that were far from God have now been brought close and into an intimate relationship with their Creator. People that were dead in their sins, separated from God, have now been forgiven and birthed into His family and have been made sons and daughters of His and have identified themselves with this new spiritual community by being baptized. Some 3,000 folks on this day. Incredible. You see, friends, when we are born again, we are born into a spiritual community. We are born into a family. There is an immediate connection with others who name the name of Jesus Christ. Another name for this spiritual community on earth is called the church. It's the church. The church is God's spiritual community. It is God's family on earth. And when we are born again, we're born into God's spiritual family, His community. This is not an optional deal. It doesn't happen to just a few select Christians. Every one of us who has experienced spiritual rebirth in Christ is a part of this spiritual community called the church. 
that God is establishing here on earth. When each one of my children were born, they were born into the Kent and Becky Smith family. They weren't born into the Jones or the Brown family. They were born into our family. And because they were born into our family, that meant something. And as my children have grown, because they've carried the family name and the family identity, there have been privileges. There have been opportunities. There have been expectations placed upon them because they were born into my family. And one of those expectations is that my kids actively participate in the life of our family. There were times that my kids didn't want to do something, but there were times that I had to say, you know what? Because you are my son, you're my daughter, you're our children, you don't have an option. You need to be involved in this. You need to be a part of what's going on as a family. And in the same way, when you are born into God's family by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there are privileges, there are opportunities, and there are expectations placed upon you as a child of his. And one of those expectations that is placed upon you as a child of his, as a person that names the name of Jesus Christ, is that being involved on a regular basis in a spiritual community with others that name the name of Jesus Christ is not optional for your spiritual health. Now, you may be thinking, what's the big deal, Kent? So what if I focus my life on my personal relationship with Christ and and ignore this community of believers? What's the big deal? Can I have my own personal relationship with God? Well, I had a conversation with someone not long ago saying essentially the same thing. They said, oh, I have my own faith. I have my own personal relationship with God. And, and, and you know what, Ken? I don't really do the organized church thing. What's the big deal? And sadly, that's a prevalent notion or a thought for many today. But here's the issue. Here's why it's such a big deal. It's a big deal because it is incongruent with who God is. And that's why this is such a big deal, that you be connected in community with other followers of Jesus Christ. You see, God himself exists in community, in relational community. Do you realize that from eternity past, God existed as Father, Son, Holy Spirit in relational community? I mean, how absurd would it be for Jesus Christ to say to God the Father, eh, You know, you're okay, but I really don't need to spend much time there or with you. Or for the Holy Spirit to say, you know what? You two guys are okay, but you know what? I'm going to go do my own thing. See, the reality is God himself exists in relational community. This is how God has always existed. So it's no surprise that when we, that when he began this human thing on earth, it was all about relationships and all about community. I mean, we see this in Genesis chapter 1. Fascinating. You know, God's creating the world. Six days, he's creating everything. And at the end of each day, God says, that's good. Every day, God steps back and he says, you know what? That's really, really good. But after creating Adam, God says something very interesting. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. God says of Adam, he says, it is not good for this man to be alone. Everything else is good. Sin had not yet come into the world. 
But for man to be alone, God is saying, this is not good. Something is missing. Adam would not have been fulfilled and complete by himself. And I think the reason that God delayed the creation of Eve was to drive the point home that humans have not been created to be alone. We have been created to live in community. We were created to be in relationship with others and to walk with God in that connectedness, to fully experience who God is as Adam and Eve did. But what's also fascinating is that once sin entered into the world and Adam and Eve chose to disobey the kind of relationship and community that they were enjoying with God as they would walk with God through the garden, that once sin entered in, it just warped the entire picture. And what do we have Adam and Eve doing? They're hiding from God. You see, the reality is, friends, that we have a propensity to want to stay to ourselves, to hide from God and hide from others. So sin's done. It's warped our concept and view of this relational connectedness and community that God is calling us into. And so I'm afraid that when God looks at all these Christians on earth today, there's a degree of sadness. And all these Christians today who think that they don't need to be connected in spiritual community. Who think they can just come to church, hear a sermon, but they don't need a small group or a smaller spiritual community to connect with. They don't need deepening relationships with other Christians. And I have a feeling that God looks at that and he says, that's not good. This is not what I intended. This is not my ideal. This is not a reflection of my character. God exists in community and we were created in his image and we won't experience the life that God intended us to experience when we're not engaged in a spiritual biblical community doing and sharing life together with other followers of Jesus Christ. The second reason why biblical community is not optional for you and why everyone who calls themselves a Christ follower needs to be a part of a spiritual community And secondly, because in that spiritual community, you will benefit from unique growth opportunities that can't be fully experienced alone. Look at verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to these things, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. The breaking of bread there seems to suggest that it is communion that that these early Christians were participating in because of the definite article talking about the breaking of the bread when Jesus Christ left or when he was about to leave and he was gathered together and he said, do this in remembrance of me. You see, the, the church was on the very front end of its existence here. It was beginning, it had been birthed. And, 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 and Luke and, and what we have happening in Acts is sort of a, a model for the church. Let me say that, you know, all of these spiritual activities that are listed for us in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, should be regularly experienced or practiced. But the point of this passage is that your personal time alone with Jesus cannot replace what can only be gained or experienced with others in community. 
Proverbs 22:17 says, "As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another." You see friends, there is something that only happens as we are coming together to learn, to fellowship, to worship, to pray as a community of people that doesn't happen if we're doing the spiritual things alone. C.S. Lewis writes in his book, The Four Loves, and in his chapter on friendship, he writes this. He says, Christ works on us in all sorts of ways. But above all, he works on us through each other. Men are mirrors of, or carriers of Christ to other men. Usually it is those who know him that bring him to others. I love that. Christ works on us in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through each other. Can't happen alone. Proverbs twenty-two seventeen: as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know, the times when I have been most challenged in my life, and times when the most growth, spiritual growth, has taken place in my life, is when there have been other people I'm sharing and I'm doing life with. At times, I have felt so susceptible to sin and so easily to lose perspective. At times, my view of Jesus, the church, and, and God's mission seems to become dwarfed by my intense, intense emotions and problems. There have been times my prayers feel like they are just ricocheting and bouncing off the ceiling. And my times in the Word seem so lifeless, so stale, and so boring. At times, that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit becomes overpowered by the screaming circumstances of chaos that I'm walking through. But, but when I band together with other Christ followers, other travelers who have much the same struggles, there is a spiritual strength that comes. And it's amazing how when I begin to journey with others, and begin to be transparent and vulnerable with them, that Jesus shows up and softens my heart and enlarges my view of him in the midst of what I'm feeling and facing at those times. I've been there. Have you been there? I think probably. It's incredible how God works in those ways. I have experienced that so many times in small groups over the years that I've been a part of a small group. When Jesus shows up in the midst of our time together and what he does is he extends comfort and guidance or hope and strength when I most need it. It is in community that Jesus speaks through me to you and he speaks through you to me. And I grow in ways that I could never grow on my own because I've intentionally connected to other followers of Jesus Christ. That's why the Christians in the early church were, as it says, devoted to themselves? Uh-uh. Devoted to each other. Let me give you a third reason why you need to be a part of a spiritual community. It's because God dwells and works through the spiritual community. Notice verse 43. Where it says, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. We're told several things happened here. 
First, people were, were filled with this sense of awe at the works of God that, that were happening in their midst because God was present. Literally. The community of believers were caught up with a sense of fear. Now, this doesn't mean that they were afraid like someone would be of a, of a vicious dog or a spider. That's not the fear that, that Luke is talking about. That doesn't mean that they were afraid in that way. But what it does mean is that there was an, an incredible awareness of the greatness of God and the work of God and His presence and power, which resulted in this deep, healthy respect of God and His holiness as they witnessed actual miracles from the hands of the apostles. Notice not everyone was performing miracles. But look at verse 43. It says that these were being done through the select group of individuals, through the apostles. The apostles were the conduit through which God was working. Why just the apostles? Well, because God put that power into the apostles at this time so that their ministry, so that their message that God had given to them could be authenticated. That was the purpose of miracles. And observers would know for certain that they were actually seeing and hearing God's messengers. Well, the second thing that was happening in this passage of Scripture is that that people's needs were being met. Verses 44 and 45, it says, And all those who believed were... You might want to underline this word together and had all things in common. And and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, there is a spirit here, a spirit of unselfishness that permeated this new spiritual community. And when someone had a genuine need, those who had extra sold some of their property or sold some of their possessions... And they shared them with one another as anyone had a need. When they saw a need, they met a need. They met needs in practical ways. They became a part of each other's lives as they shared and did life together in their homes, in their communities, in the marketplace. I have been blown away by the stories that I've heard from people in our small groups here at Harvest Bible Chapel Peoria in the way in which people's needs physically have been met, the way in which needs spiritually have been met, relationally have been met. It has been absolutely incredible the kind of needs that have been met through this body of believers. Does that mean everybody goes out and they sell everything they have? No, but we have people who are sacrificing personally in order to assist somebody who is in need. That's what the early church was doing. That's what the church needs to be doing. That can't happen alone. That can only happen as you are connected in community with others because we were never designed to do and share life alone. We were designed to share it with others. Incredible. You see, all of these things were happening at this time because God was working in this brand new spiritual community in a new way he hadn't done before. And with the coming of the Holy Spirit earlier in Acts chapter 2, it was God's sign of His new presence in this new community and in the lives of His people. Now, as God, theologically, we know that He is present everywhere, every moment. That's His attribute of omnipresence. God is in Iraq. He's in New York. He's in India. He's in Peoria. He's in East Peoria. He's present in tornadoes. He's present in earthquakes. He's present even in the personal crises of our lives. 
But when we come together in biblical community, he's present in a unique and special way. And that's why it says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am, he says, among them. There I am. It is in community that there is this unique thing going on when Jesus shows up. Now, in this context, Jesus is speaking to the fact that when we as his people come together for the purpose of pursuing him, even in the midst of some of the relational challenges of life, Jesus is going to make himself present. He's going to make his presence known in ways that can often defy comprehension. Now, I want you to think about the importance of Matthew eighteen twenty. What does it really mean? Well, it means that when we come together as a small group, a biblical community, in Jesus' name, convinced that we're there to pursue him and to help one another to become more of the people that he has destined us to be, Jesus, Jesus shows up in a unique way. Jesus, the one who is that compassionate healer, is there. The one who is the leader of leaders is there. The supreme Lord of the universe is there. The friend of sinners and trustworthy Savior, he is there when we come together. He shows up, pulls up a chair, and he changes the dynamics of the group and everyone involved in ways that leaves everyone changed because we have come together in biblical community. Think about that. Because that is the reality that the author of Ecclesiastes talks about in chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And, take, and get this, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. What's he talking about here? There is support. There is warmth. There is encouragement that only occurs in the context of a spiritual, biblical community when we are committed to being together with other people. But the truth is that our strength as a biblical community is in the fact that when we come together as Christ followers, that God's presence is strongly woven through the fabric of our life together. That's what makes biblical community so necessary and important for your spiritual health. Because when we come together, it is Jesus Christ who is there. Who's tying all of the loose ends together. Dallas Willard, one of my favorite authors, writes this. He says, personalities united can contain more of God and sustain the force of his presence more than scattered individuals. Isn't that good? Think about that statement for a minute. He says, personalities united. Christ followers intentionally united together can contain more of God and sustain the force of his presence more than scattered individuals. 
And you see, friends, as we grow in friendship with one another, we become more tightly knit to Jesus and to one another. It's that cord that runs through the group. The one who calls us his friend is there. And you see, that's the truth of living in the kingdom and community with others because Jesus Christ is there in a unique, special way. And we are filled with awe at how Jesus shows up in those environments. Well, the final reason why you need to be a part of a spiritual, biblical community is because the spiritual community is the means by which God will impact the world. Yes, God does work through individuals, and individuals throughout history have had a great impact upon the world. But God typically works through the larger community to impact the world. Notice verse 47, where it says that people in this new community, what were they doing? They were praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the first major confirmation of what Jesus said back in John 13, 35, where he said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love for one another. You see, what we have taken place in Acts chapter 2 is really the fulfillment and should be the ongoing reality for the church. Where Jesus said, by this all people will know that you're my disciples. What if you have love for one another? What was Jesus saying here? He's saying that the whole credibility of his mission on earth is this. It's not that we're smart. It's not that we build something big or impressive. It's not that we have all the answers filled out on our sermon outline or that we check all the religious boxes of activities, but that we intentionally commit to being a part of a spiritual community where we love each other unconditionally. And when we do that, the world is going to notice something different about this church about his communities, about what God is doing out there. The world will notice when people are meeting the needs of other people, there is going to be a sense of awe in God's presence, and it is going to be an attraction to the world because they're going to say, I don't have that. I've never experienced that. And you see, when we're living that kind of life in community with one another, with the recognition of God's presence in our midst, the world's going to notice Because we're loving God and we're loving others as God wants us to love. You know, today we're beginning our signups for our small groups. And I have been about small groups ever since I first became a Christian some 30 plus years ago. Immediately when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, somebody said, hey, Kent, you need to kind of connect. You need to intentionally connect with other folks. And ever since... Becky and I have continued to connect with others in community and in small groups. As I said, today we're beginning signups for our small groups here at Harvest Bible Chapel Peoria, and we'll be taking those signups for the next couple of Sundays. You see, as you leave this morning, our ushers will have sign-up cards with, with all the information that you should need about the process for small groups. And you know what? I'm encouraging you to, to jump on into this thing, even though there may be a bit of uncertainty about what this is. Let me say this. That the passionate pursuit of God and the total transformation of our hearts is not sustainable for the long haul without sharing the journey with other people.
Is it true? Let me say it again. I believe firmly that the passionate pursuit of God and the total transformation of our hearts is not sustainable for the long haul without sharing that journey with others. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. But as you think about connecting into a biblical spiritual community here at Harvest Bible Chapel, let me give you a pastoral word of insight. If you get involved in a small group with other people here, there are going to be moments of outrageous laughter, of joy and learning, but there's also going to be challenges. Challenges of schedule, challenges of priorities, and most certainly, people challenges. But the point is this. Jesus didn't come to create these neat little communities of perfect people with perfect schedules, with perfect experiences and perfect lives. What made Jesus' new community in Acts explode with lavish, outrageous degrees of love for one another? and impacted the world, and has made our spiritual communities here at Harvest Bible Chapel Peoria, was a spirit-empowered determination to love like Jesus in spite of those challenges. It has been an incredible journey for us as a church to see the number of people here within this body of believers, 300-plus adults who are already in small groups, already sharing and doing life together. Has it been a pleasant, wonderful journey? Uh Uh-uh. But has incredible growth taken place in their lives? Absolutely. Absolutely. Spencer and Libby Swearingen and their family have experienced some incredible challenges that began back in January. But they've also experienced God's outrageous love and grace and community in ways that they never thought. Spencer comes and he's going to share their story of the impact that the church has had and what their biblical community has done for them and the impact it's had on their lives. Spencer? Thank you. Good morning. Uh, Libby and I have... uh, uh, we've been uh, attending Harvest for over two years now, um, have been members for, for just about a year, and been plugged in with a, a small group um, about that long. Um, we've got four awesome kids, um, the three girls and a boy, ranging in ages from uh, one to five. And uh, we, Libby and I have always grown up um, in a church and, and part of spiritual communities to some degree or another. Uh, at certain times in our lives, it was... Um, more and at, and at other times it was less. Uh, I have to say that in the past uh, year, uh, we've been part of a spiritual community um, that we've never been part of before, and we're so thankful for it. Um, earlier this year, uh, in January, um, our four-year-old daughter, Tess, was diagnosed with uh, uh, neuroblastoma, which is a rare childhood cancer. Um, She's gone through a couple surgeries over this during this year um, and countless rounds of chemotherapy and tests and procedures and things like that. Um, we, we've ended up spending about half of this year so far um, traveling back and forth uh, between Memphis, Tennessee, the St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Um, and the other half of the year back here at the Peoria affiliate, 
uh, trying to maintain a normal life with the other kids and with work and, and uh, also spending a lot of time in there at the clinic. The impact that uh, spiritual communities have had on us is literally indescribable. Uh, you know, Libby and I thought we had a strong, solid spiritual base, but really neither of us were prepared with the, the wave of uh, hurt and doubt and, and even guilt um, that was just hammering us. Uh, the first, I remember the first week um, after we were diagnosed was just a real flurry of uh, uh, meetings, scary information, a lot of roller coaster emotions, and uh, trying to coordinate a million things all at once. And, and almost immediately uh, after the diagnosis, God's spiritual community just really came to, into our lives um, like never before. Uh, it began to surround us in a lot of different ways uh, through support. Just, just regular support, uh, a lot of prayer, and, and not the prayer like, man, that stinks, I'll be praying for you. It's the, the type of prayer that uh, let me stop what I'm doing right here, wherever I'm at, and let's, let's sit down here and talk um, to God and, and tell him uh, um, where we need help. Uh, never experienced that before in my life, and we're so thankful for it. Uh, financially, physical acts, um, you know, uh, around the house and, and in other things. Uh, oh, and my favorite, food. Uh, that's really been nice. You guys are very good cooks. So thank you very much. Uh, at the end of this first, that first week, way back in, in January, um, it really it, it culminated and rolled up uh, to, to what an amazing spiritual community we have here, not only in our small group at this church. Uh, that Friday after we were diagnosed, um, it was Tessa's big surgery to take the tumor out. And a uh, uh, tough night. Um, so we said, hey, Liv, let's, uh, let's call a couple of folks and, and, you know, just pray one more time. Within about 30 minutes, we had 40 people at our house. Spent the next three hours uh, in an amazing prayer ritual. And believe it, as hard as it is to believe, Friday was amazing. Friday was so smooth. Friday, uh, I, I couldn't believe how at peace I felt um, and how smooth the surgery went. And it was awesome. So, um, that was just all in the first week. Pretty crazy. Uh, the past seven months have been, uh, just continued, uh, uh, support and, and amazing community. Um, and, and we've seen this spiritual community grow from our, from our, uh, small group to this church, to the Peoria area, to this country and all, you know, uh, even over the country or the world. Uh, it's really been an amazing thing we've been part of here. And I think, uh, you know, as our, as our story has spread, uh, the, the prayers and godly support, they, they have just continued to roll in, you know, as this snowball uh, of support and, and uh, it has continued. And one thing that we've definitely realized that it is, hasn't just helped us and our family deal with a, a very difficult time. We've seen countless other folks uh, comment and, and on how it's impacting them, uh, how, how uh, their lives are changed by seeing uh, us go through what we're going through. Um, as other people's lives have changed, we realize that we're, we're part of something much bigger than saving uh, a sick little girl's life. Uh, we're part of, uh, we've seen God work through our daughter to, to draw so many people near to him. We've seen non-believers kneeling in prayer, uh, folks with questions going to him for, for advice and for direction and support. And we've seen many of us in this, in this room uh, deal with tough trials um, of our own, of th that, that we feel like are, are, uh, 
just as, as tough as ours, if not more, um, leaning on him for the direction and support that you need to get through it. And it's just uh, been very humbling uh, for us to be part of this. Um, and, and on a personal note, you know, it, uh, it's, I definitely feel like God has worked through our daughter to bring uh, my wife and I much closer to him and in turn much closer to each other. And it's been uh, very life-changing. So we're not sure where, uh, where this plan is going to take us because we don't know what God does. And, and we're just along for the ride, and, and uh, we just trust him. Uh, we don't know if it would be long or short or good or bad, uh, but we know that he's lighting the way for us to go. And uh, I know that this whole small group and this whole spiritual community and, and his big community will all be there right behind my family helping us. And then along the way, we're all going to grow and uh, probably pick up a couple other folks along the way. And so it is, uh, it's amazing. And I'm so thankful to be here. I'm thankful that we serve a great God. And I'm thankful, so thankful to be part of this community. So thank you. And- Spencer and Libby and Tess and, and their family, uh, I mean, it's a story of, of incredible trial and challenge, but it's also been an incredible story of God's grace and mercy. And, and can you imagine have, having to do this alone? You, you can't. And their story is similar to many other stories of people here that it may not be as dramatic or as big as, as theirs, but they're all real life stuff because this is a broken world. And as I've said, we were never designed to do life alone. Let's just pause and we want to pray for Spencer and Libby and for Tess and, and uh, just know that God is doing a special thing here in this church and how we can be filled with awe at what God is doing because it's what he's doing in his church here. Let's pray.